Lesson number 122, Surah Yusuf, ayah number 1 to 18. Surah Yusuf, as is evident by the name of the surah, is about the story of Yusuf alayhi salam. And Surah Yusuf is a very unique surah. It is a surah that talks about the story of Yusuf alayhi salam only. We learned Surah Hud. We learned Surah Yunus. And we did learn about the stories of these prophets in those surahs, but along with those stories, other stories were also mentioned. But we'll see that Surah Yusuf is all about the story of Yusuf a.s. And this is the only place in the Qur'an where Yusuf a.s. story is mentioned. The story of Hud a.s. for example, is mentioned more than one time in the Qur'an, in Surah Hud and also elsewhere. The story of Musa a.s. is mentioned in the Qur'an many, many times from different angles. But remember that all those accounts are very short. This account of Yusuf a.s. is firstly the only place where the story is mentioned. And secondly, it is in detail also. Surah Yusuf was revealed in Mecca. It's a Makki surah. And according to many mufassirin, it was actually revealed in Amul Huzn, in the year of grief. In the later part of the Makki era, when the Prophet ﷺ experienced a lot of huzn. What is huzn? Grief. And why is it that the Prophet ﷺ suffered a lot of huzn? What made him grieve so much this particular year? Many reasons. First of all, the loss of two very close and very loving people. Who were they? First of all, Khadija anha, And secondly, Abu Talib, his uncle. Khadija radiallahu anha, she was his wife. Also the best companion, as well as a source of comfort for him. Think about the time when the Prophet ﷺ received his first revelation. Where did he go? He ran home and he said, cover me, cover me. And Khadija radiallahu anha, she comforted him. When he doubted himself, when he had no idea as to what was going on, she was a source of comfort and encouragement for him. She took him to Waraqa bin Nawfal. She encouraged him that, Wallahi, Allah would never desert you. Nothing evil can happen to you. Because you are a good person. You do this good thing, you do that good thing. So there, it's not possible that Allah would humiliate you. لَن يُخْزِيكَ اللَّهُ abada. And Khadija radiallahu anha was a source of great support for the Prophet ﷺ throughout the Meccan era. So the year that she died, it was a big, big loss for the Prophet ﷺ. And secondly, Abu Talib, his uncle. Even though he was not a believer, Abu Talib was a source of protection for the Prophet ﷺ. He was like a guardian for him. Because he was his uncle, and you know that he was one of the elite of his chiefs, so he was well respected. And if he supported the Prophet ﷺ, nobody could dare to harm the Messenger ﷺ. So at this time, when the Prophet ﷺ lost these two people, when both of them passed away, Surah Yusuf was revealed. Why? To comfort the Prophet ﷺ. Think about Yusuf. He lost his father whom he loved, because he was taken away from him. And his father was not just you know, a loving figure, but also a source of guidance and protection for him. He lost him. He was taken away from him. But did Allah abandon Yusuf a.s.? No. So in this was a huge lesson 
and comfort for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and for every single one of us also. Because you see, people who are close to us, people who love us, they care for us, they protect us, we begin to depend upon them. And in that, we forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a lesson that yes, these people are close to you, they are good towards you, but they are not the ultimate source of protection and care. There is someone greater who loves you more, who knows you more, who protects you more. He is the one who made you, and He is the one whom you should seek. So this surah was revealed as a comfort for Rasulullah And in this surah, there are many, many lessons for all people, from parents to children, and brothers and friends, and employee and employer, all sorts of people. There are many lessons. And inshallah, as we study the surah, we will discover them. This surah has 111 Ayat, 111 verses. So let's begin the surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alif Lam Ra, Huruf Makata'at. Tilka ayatul kitab. These are the verses of the book. Which book? The Quran. And what kind of a book is it? It is Al Mubin. It is one that is clear. It is one that is evident. Notice the word Tilka. Tilka is called an ism ishara and it is used to point towards something. Like in the English language we say, this or that. When we refer to something using the word this, what does it mean? It is nearby, it is close. Right? But when you use the word that, that book up there, what does that mean? It is distant, it is far, it is not close to you. But remember that in the Arabic language, ism ishara ba'id is also used for the purpose of ta'zim, to show respect. Because when something is high, then it is far. Right? When something is high above, then it is far. So for example, if you're standing in front of a bookshelf, and there's a book at your level, what will you say? This book. But if there's a book all the way at the top, then what would you say? That book, the one all the way on the topmost track, right? So, tilka ayatul kitab, those are the verses of the book. This word in itself shows the high rank that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to this book, the high status of this book. This is not an ordinary book. This is a very, very special book because it is the word of who? Rabbul Alameen. It is the word of Allah, the Lord of the worlds. So tilka ayatul kitab, and this kitab is mubin. Mubin meaning one that is clear, one that is evident. So it is clear in itself, meaning the message of this book, the meaning of this book is clear. And mubin also means one that clarifies. One that clarifies. So this Quran, it is clear in its message. And it also clarifies the concepts that have become ambiguous and confusing for the people. For example, the concept of Tawheed. Isn't it a very simple and basic concept? It's very basic. It's very simple. However, what has happened over time? This concept has become unclear to people. They don't fully understand. So the Qur'an, it clarifies. Likewise, the purpose of our life. Who are we? Where have we come from? Where are we going? I mean, these are basic questions. These are basic concepts that every human being must understand. 
But people have the most weirdest ideologies. They have the most weirdest explanations. So this Qur'an, what does it do? It clarifies these realities for us. It clarifies to us the basic realities of life, the basic concepts that we need to know, that we need to understand. So it is al-mubin. It is bayin. It is clear. It is evident. It has detail. Whatever it says, there's evidence behind it. It is from Rabbul Alameen, so it is 100% accurate. Tilka ayatul kitabil mubin. And you see the word mubin is from the root letters bayanun. Bayin is actually used for speech that is eloquent. Eloquent speech in which there is detail, there is clarity, there is evidence, and every word is clear also. So what do we learn from this ayah about the book of Allah, about the Qur'an? Is it a book of riddles? Is this Qur'an a book of riddles? No. Is it a book that has hidden and secret messages that only some people can reveal and some people can uncover and only they can understand? No. That's not the case. This Qur'an is clear in its message. So much so that it can be understood by an ordinary individual also. By an ordinary listener also. The message is very evident for the one who is eagerly seeking the truth. The message is not unclear. It's not hidden. It's evident. تِلْكَ آيَاتُ الْكِتَابِ الْمُبِينَ إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ Indeed, we have sent it down. Meaning this kitab, we have revealed it. Sent it down from above. Meaning the Qur'an has come from who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From Allah, from above. Where? Down. Down to who? To the human beings. For their guidance. So, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ We have revealed it as Qur'anan, as a Qur'an that is Arabian, that is Arabic. We have revealed this book as an Arabic Qur'an, as a Qur'an that is Arabic. Why? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ So that you can understand. You can understand what has been sent to you. Now, notice over here, this book has been sent down as an Arabic Qur'an. What does it mean by the word Qur'an? What's the root? Qafra, Hamza, Qara'a. And Qara'a means to recite. Qira'a. What is Qira'a? Recitation, right? So Qur'an means recitation. That which is recited. So we have sent it down as a recitation in the Arabic language. Meaning it has not been sent down in a written form. It has not been sent down in a written form. Rather, it has been sent in an oral form. It was recited. It was recited in the Arabic language. To who? To the Prophet ﷺ. Why was it recited? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ So that you can understand. Because you see, in order to read, do you have to put in some effort? Yes, you have to be literate first and foremost. Right? Secondly, you have to take the time out, put the book before you, use your eyes, focus, and then you will read, and then you'll be able to understand what you're reading. But to listen to something, what effort do you need to put in? What effort do you need to put in? All you need is that you just need to be awake. That's it. And you just need to listen. You don't need to open your ears. No, they're already open. 
you can't really shut them, right? As a recitation in the Arabic language, so that the simple person, the layman, can just listen and لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ and understand the message, and understand it simply, so that everyone can hear and understand. Also remember that the word Qur'an is from the word Qar'un. Same root, Qar'un. And Qar'un is to gather. What does it mean? To gather, to collect. So we have sent it down as a Qur'an in Arabic, meaning as a collection of important messages in the Arabic language. What important messages are collected within this Qur'an that are necessary for the guidance of people? Not a collection of all the information out there. No. Only that which is relevant for the guidance of people. Whether it is the stories of the past or the news of the future or arguments and evidences, whatever it may be, as a collection of messages for the guidance of people. How Arabian in Arabic language, why لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ Now when you read this ayah, it seems as though we are being told that the reason why the Qur'an was sent in Arabic is so that people can understand its message. As if we are being told that if it was not in the Arabic language, it would be difficult for you to understand the message. Now, when you think about the Arabs, the first recipients of the Qur'an, it makes sense. Right? Because if it was not in the Arabic language, really, they would not understand. Why? Because the Arabs, they only knew Arabic. They didn't have much interaction with the outside world. You see, the Romans, the Persians, they were conquerors at that time. They were conquering lands. Their empires were expanding. But the Arabs just lived in the desert. They didn't really mingle with anybody. Nobody bothered them. They didn't bother anybody either. They just lived in their own world, in their own deserts. So because of this reason, you can say that the influence of other cultures was very minimal. And therefore, the influence of other languages was also very, very minimal. So if the Qur'an was sent in a different language, would the Arabs be able to understand? No way. They wouldn't be able to. Okay. But how does this relate to us? We, who are not born Arabs, majority of us here, right? And who never learned the Arabic language, for us it's easier to understand something which is in our mother tongue. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, we have sent this Qur'an in Arabic so that you can understand? Wouldn't it be easier if it was in another language? Why Arabic? How does this relate to us? How? Because it shows that the Arabic language is different from from other languages. The way something is expressed in Arabic, it cannot be expressed in any other language. Why? Because the Arabic language is a very, very unique language. The word Arabi is from Ain Raba. And A'raba, like for example, it is said, Araba an nafsi. Meaning that he expressed himself very clearly, very eloquently. So Arabic itself means eloquence and clarity. It itself means eloquence and clarity. To be able to express oneself clearly. Which shows that when something is expressed in Arabic, it is expressed in the best way, in the most unique way. Because you see, the language is such that in very few words, you can express a lot of meaning. 
I mean, think about how we go into the roots of the word sometimes. Like for example, I explained to you the word تَرْكُنُوا yesterday. Hmm? To incline towards. And it's from what? Rukn. And Rukn is what? A pillar. Now there is a connection between a pillar and leaning towards something. Do you see that in other languages? Do you have the same thing in other languages? No. The other day I was listening to a lecture by Ustaz Nurman Ali Khan. He was just explaining the dua, Rabbi shrahli sadri. Amri. And it was like an hour long lecture. Explaining what? Just a few words. Just a few words. That how those words, they capture so much meaning. The feelings of Musa salam, the context that he was in, those words express where he came from, where he was going, what situation he was going into. There's an ocean of meaning behind few words. So really, it's very expressive. And it's not just expressive and it's moving. It's touching. It makes you curious. It really hits you. Which is why there are many people who have no idea about what the Qur'an means. They just hear its recitation. They don't even know it's Arabic. And what do they ask? What is this? What is this? It's so different. It's giving me chills. Because it has an impact. Now think about it. If you were to read the translation of the Qur'an to somebody, would it have the same impact? No. Even the words are carefully selected, they rhyme, they match really well, they flow really well. Still, would it have the same impact? Never. Because the Arabic language, literally, it hits you. It goes deep. It's very penetrative. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the Arabic language, which is the best of all languages, for this Qur'an, so that you can understand its message. Because if it was not in Arabic, you would not be able to understand its message. So what does this teach us? That we have to understand the Qur'an in what language? In the Arabic. Don't rely on translations. Study the actual text and understand the Qur'an in its original text. Yes. The Arabic grammar, it's so complex and deep that one of the uh, scholars said that if anyone wishes to increase his intellect, then he should learn Arabic grammar. Basically, if you want to become smarter, learn the Arabic language. Learn Arabic grammar because it's going to make you sharper and smarter. It's going to grow you in your intelligence. So why? Because it makes you use your mind. And if, imagine the Qur'an is being recited in Arabic, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent it in Arabic, there must have been a reason why Allah chose this language over all other languages. And you see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Qur'an in the Arabic language, and this is something that you should be familiar with, that in different qira'at, in different modes of recitation. Alright? What does that mean? You see, the Prophet ﷺ once, he mentioned that Jibreel informed him that the Qur'an has been revealed in one mode of recitation. But the Prophet ﷺ requested that it be more than one recitation because it's not going to be possible for people to recite it in only one mode of recitation. So the number kept increasing until it was 7 or 10. I don't remember the exact number, but either 7 or 10. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made so much room for different modes of recitation but not different languages. You understand my point? He revealed it in different modes of recitation. You can read it as as-sirat al-mustaqim, you can read it as as-sirat al-mustaqim. You can read it as fa'alqaha Musa or fa'alqaha Musa. Okay? 
You can read it both ways. However, you can only read it in Arabic. It's only in Arabic, not in other languages. Arabic only, different modes of recitation. Seven modes of recitation, but not English and Spanish and French. No, only Arabic. Because what Arabic expresses, French cannot express. The way Arabic hits you, English cannot hit you like that. The way Arabic will move you, literally it will move you. It will shake you. It will give you chills. Spanish cannot do that. No language can do that. Yes. I was thinking about what you just said and the languages that you mentioned. And like all they have is like positive and negative connotations at the most. And like Arabic, you can like derive an entire story from just one word. Basically. From one sentence, there's like a whole story that you can get. You can go into so much depth because it's deep. It's eloquent. So Allah chose this language. The question is that since Arabic is so unique and so powerful, is it man-made or is it inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Some scholars actually, they say that Arabic is not man-made. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam, did He speak to Adam alayhi salam? Yeah. Did He speak to the angels? Yeah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam, did he teach him the names of different things? Yes. So that was also some form of communication. It was words. It was some language. So some scholars actually, they say that it was the Arabic language. It was the Arabic language. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Adam alayhi salam the names of different things in the Arabic language. So they say that the origins of Arabic are not human human mind. But rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired it to people. This is an opinion that's out there amongst the scholars. And really, there's nothing to negate that. Definitely, language evolves over time, of course. And Arabic has taken from other languages also certain words. And we learn about them in the Qur'an also. The word firdaus, the word sijil, tanur, there are words that have come from other languages. Alright? However, they have become part of the Arabic language. But the origins of Arabic, some ulama say, it's not the human mind. It's what Allah put in the fitrah of human beings. This is why it's the most expressive. This is why it's so deep, it's so touching. It's so close to reality. So, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ We relate. نَحْنُ We. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that we are نَقُصُّ We are relating. عَلَيْكَ Upon you. Meaning to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We are telling you here, أَحْسَنَ القصص, The best of stories. Over here, we are telling you, a story which is the best of all stories. And how are we telling the story to you? Bima, through that which, awhayna ilayka, we have revealed to you. And what is it that we have revealed to you? Had al-Qur'an, this Qur'an. In other words, we are telling you the best story over here. How? Through the Qur'an. Through revelation. You are being informed of the story by who? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Communicated how? Through revelation. So have no doubt about its correctness. It is the most accurate account of the individual that you're going to learn about. وَإِن كُنْتَ And indeed you were مِن قَبْلِهِ Before it لَمِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ Surely among those who are unaware. Meaning before we told you about the story, you were completely unaware about this particular story. Meaning about the story of Yusuf a.s. You had no idea. Because Yusuf a.s. was the father of who? You could say the Bani Israel. Right? Meaning he was of the children of Ya'qub a.s. And the children of Ya'qub a.s. They became who? The Bani Israel. So Yusuf a.s. was basically not known amongst the Arabs. He was not known amongst the Arabs. The Arabs were not aware of the story of Yusuf a.s. They didn't even know of his name. And we learned that once the mushrikeen, some of them, they went for some trade somewhere and they heard the name of Yusuf a.s. And they found out the Jews, the Christians, they believed that he was a prophet. So when they came back to Mecca, they came and they mockingly asked the Prophet wasallam. So you're supposed to be a prophet. Do you know anything about Yusuf? As if we know more than you. And what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this surah. You ask about Yusuf? Okay. Allah is going to tell you the account of Yusuf alayhi salam. And yes, you were completely unaware about it because your people didn't know. This was a story that the Arabs were completely unaware of. Now, what I want you to notice over here is two things. First of all, the word Ahsan and secondly, the word Al-Qasas and Naqussu. Naqussu. We relate to you, meaning we tell you the story. It's from the root letters, Qab, Sad, Sad. Qasa yaqusu, Qasas is used for story. Qasa yaqusu literally means to follow. Okay? When the mother of Musa salam put Musa salam in the basket and put the basket in the river, the tabut in the river, she told her daughter, Qusihi, Qusihi, follow him. Meaning, follow the tabut, follow this basket. As it flows in the river, go follow it. See where it goes. Make sure it's safe. And tell me where it ends up. Qusihi. So you understand? Qasaya qusu is to follow, to go after. Now the word story in the Arabic language, there are many words for it. Hikaya, and so on and so forth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word qasas. Why? Inshallah we'll find out why. Secondly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls the story of Yusuf alayhi salam that is going to be mentioned here, Ahsanal Qasas, the best of all stories. I'm sure you've heard many stories from the time when you were really young until perhaps today. Many stories, some of which are true, some of which are false, some of which are very, very detailed, and some are really not that detailed, some that make you happy, some that make you mad, some that make you cry, and some that make you laugh. Some that make you wonder and some that make you depressed. I mean, there are all sorts of stories. Some that you remember and some that you forget also. Some that you can relate with. You feel as if it's about you. That character in the story is actually representing you. And there are other stories you wonder, who made it up and what were they thinking? Right? So stories are of different kinds. The best story ever narrated by anyone, is which one? The story of Yusuf alayhi salam. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Ahsan al-Qasas. 
The question is, how is this story Ahsan al-Qasas? How is it the best story ever? Because who is the narrator of the story? Who's telling us the story? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is related by Allah through the Qur'an. And what makes a story good, the first point, what makes a story good first and foremost is who is the storyteller? Do you trust him or do you not trust him? If you trust the teller, the narrator, that story is really good. But if you don't have trust in the teller, that story will not be good. I found a couple of these points from this website, abccopywriting.com. Okay? And they mentioned that what makes a story really good is first and foremost trust in the teller. What we feel about the storyteller influences our reaction to the story. Like for example, if your mother is telling you about a story and you're young, not at this stage, when you were younger, and you trusted your mother, and you looked up to her, that story was what? So captivating. It was like the best story ever. Or when your dad used to tell you stories at night, at bedtime, then what happened? Those stories stuck with you. Why? Because you look up to your dad. You trust him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us this story, and he is the most truthful. The most truthful. We trust upon him. And that makes the story really, really good. Secondly, the story is Ahsan al-Qasas because it's in the Arabic language. We learned about the qualities of the Arabic language. It's the best language. It's most powerful. It's most moving. And because of this reason, the story is also Ahsan al-Qasas. Thirdly, because... It has everything that a good story must contain. I want you to use your mind. Don't look at this. I want you to use your mind. What makes a story good? Yes. Okay. There's conflict. Alright. Then there's a you know solution. The main character, he rather after the conflict, there's also a climax. Right. And then the main character, he finds a solution at the end. Okay. That makes a story good. Okay, yeah. When you can take lessons from it, all right. The dialogue is interesting, okay. Yes. Okay, so the main character, you can kind of relate with them and you, like there's a lot of emotion around them, okay. Yes. You can say like there's drama, there's detail, there's drama. When there is a proper structure, it's like a quiz, it's a riddle. You don't know what's going on, what's going on. You have to pause and you have to ask, so what happened? What did she say? And what did that mean? And what did he say? And you feel so dumb that you can't understand it and somebody has to explain it to you. Right? But which ones stick to you? Which ones do you enjoy? Something that has a proper flow, a proper structure. It's authentic. It's not fictional. Some people also enjoy fictional stories, but there's also some element of reality in it. Right? If it's completely fictional, then what happens? Everybody cannot enjoy it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, even though you've read it multiple times, you've heard it multiple times, you still enjoy it. When is it that you can still enjoy it, despite reading it many, many times? When it's interesting, when you understand it, when you can relate with it. 
um, there's a story by Robert Munch. Up, up, down. Have you read it? My daughter, when she was, I think, one year old, when she had just started walking and like getting onto the chair and the table, I read that book to her. She loves that book till today. You could read it to her 50 times and she won't get bored. She won't get bored. Why? Because I think she can relate with it. She can understand it. It's simple. It's easy to understand. It grabs her attention because there's simplicity in it. Right? Yes? Good point. When you can find something new in it, every time you learn something interesting from it. You see, the best stories have a strong theme. They have a strong theme. That is consistent. Not like at the beginning it's talking about something else, in the middle something else, at the end something else, and you get lost completely as to what was going on. It started off with one thing and it with another. No, it has a strong theme that is continuous. It has a fascinating plot. At the end you're like, wow, that's cool. And the story of Yusuf a.s. really, it has a fascinating plot. I mean, look at how it starts with a dream. Yusuf a.s. being thrown into a well, sold as a slave, and then ends up in the jail, and then comes out, and then is a big shot. I mean, that's pretty cool. It has a fascinating plot. It makes you say, wow. Then it has a fitting structure. Like the structure, it flows really well. It has unforgettable characters. Unforgettable characters. And in the story of Yusuf a.s., really all the characters that are mentioned, I'm sure you remember them. Even though you heard the story, you know, perhaps a while ago. You remember them. The people in the jail, the woman, the Aziz, the brothers, right? You remember all those characters. And especially the character of Yusuf a.s. And it also has an appealing style. Right? Some of the things that are mentioned over here, drama. Stories need dramatic development and emotional dynamics. Is there a lot of emotion in the story of Yusuf a.s.? Of course. Okay. Next, relatability. The more people identify with the story, the more likely they are to be persuaded. You see, qasa yaqussu to follow. Some stories, like when you start reading them, you can't close it. You have to follow till the end. And the story of Yusuf a.s. is like that. Why? Because you can relate with it. As a parent, as a child, as a sibling, as someone who's being oppressed, as someone who's struggling with feelings, you can relate with it. Then, immersion. The more readers put themselves into a story, the more likely they are to change their opinions. It really immerses you. Simplicity. Simple stories are strong stories. Take out everything that doesn't serve the narrative. And I want you to remember this point as we study the story of Yusuf a.s. Because you might wonder, um, what were the names of the brothers of Yusuf a.s.? And how old exactly was Yusuf a.s.? And what was the name of that woman? And who were those other women? And what exactly was their social status? You might have all these questions. But the thing is that if all those details were present in the Qur'an, really the story would be long and kind of boring. Simplicity makes a good story. That's why everything that doesn't serve the narrative is excluded. Then, stories are most persuasive when readers work out their meaning for themselves. You know, it leaves questions in your mind in the sense that it makes you curious, it makes you wonder, it makes you think and relate with yourself and derive lessons from it. Then, another important thing is, 
familiarity. The more familiar a story feels, the more powerful it is. And the story of Yusuf a.s. really, it's a very familiar story. How? Because we all experience some sort of jealousy or someone is jealous from us. There is always love and rejection and competition for power and you know the need for attention. It's familiar. These are things that people are familiar with. It's not a strange thing from sci-fi. You know? It's something that's familiar to us. So, نَحْنُ نَقُصُ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ Now, as we study the story of Yusuf salam, I want you to keep these points in mind. Alright? And take notes perhaps on the side even, something that tells you, yeah, this point, really, it makes a story really, really good. Inshallah, we'll give you some kind of assignment along this line so that it also helps you with your school. Okay? Another reason why the story is of Ahsan al-Qasas is because it is about one of the best people. Who is that? Yusuf And he's not an ordinary man. He's not an ordinary character. He is a prophet of Allah. And in a hadith we learn that once the companions, they asked the Prophet ﷺ that, Ya Rasulullah, man akramun nas. Who is the most honorable of all people? Who is the best of all people? The Prophet ﷺ said, Atqahum, the one who has most taqwa of them. The Sahaba said, Laysa an hadha nas'aluk. We didn't mean to ask about that. What we meant was something else. So the Prophet ﷺ thought, okay, maybe they're asking about a particular individual who's really the most honorable. And he said, then it is Yusuf. Then it is Yusuf. Yusuf ﷺ was akramun nas, the most honorable of all people, because he was Nabiullah, a prophet of Allah. He was the son of a prophet of Allah, who was the son of Khalilullah. You understand? So he said then, Yusuf ﷺ is Akramun Nas. Let's listen to the recitation. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.